and welcome to the Autopicocene. My name is Neva, I am your host, and this is a place where I ramble about all things mental health, along with how being a second generation immigrant affects it. My intention is to be your big sister of sorts and help you navigate whatever it is that you might be going through without the stigma as a person who's faced a lot of it in the past, along with giving you the tools that you need to face whatever that is. Whether you be Muslim, Arab, neither or both, thank you for listening and welcome to the Autopicocene. everyone and welcome back if you're new welcome thank you so much for listening this episode is pretty much one of the main reasons why i decided to make this podcast and that is talking about the insecurity that comes with being a second generation immigrant whether that be with your language culture literally anything that goes along with not really knowing how exactly we fit into our cultures because of the fact that we weren't necessarily born where our parents came from. We just don't have the foundation that they had, which makes it a little harder, that's a lie, which makes it a lot harder to feel confident in our cultures and our identities as a result of that. So to preface, like I've said in my other episodes, I did go to Egypt, which was a very enlightening experience for a variety of different reasons. And I'm not going to talk about that in this episode. I am going to save that for a different one because there's a lot to go through. And it's just not really necessarily for this episode because I had already planned out this episode before I went because there is still a lot that I have to say in terms of my experiences with this, along with how you can deal with it. That has nothing to do with going back to where I came from because it was still a struggle. It still is a struggle, but the experience that I had simply doesn't really have to do with what I'm talking about right now. But anyways, I am going to start off with saying that I have had good and bad experiences in terms of how I perceive my own culture and how I perceive myself within that culture. Like I said before, I am half Egyptian, half Syrian. I am Arab. And I grew up with parents who spoke Arabic and English, but it was never really forced. It was never really mandatory to speak Arabic like I know it is for a lot of other people, which I appreciate and don't appreciate because I would have loved to be fluent. But at the same time, you know, we did have to learn English (laughs) because we kind of lived in an English speaking country. So it would have been hard otherwise. And I'm sure my parents also wanted to learn how to speak English as best as they possibly could. So we kind of learned from each other. I learned from my parents, they learned from us. So it was an experience overall. And I think the most difficult part about this was having two dialects. They have different words within the dialects, different accents, different slang. So there's kind of just a lot of territory to cover there in terms of learning the different dialects and how speaking Arabic gets kind of more complicated as you learn them because yes, it is the same language, but when you have different dialects, everything kind of just jumbles together. And I wasn't even aware of the fact that they were different dialects until I got much older and people were just confused whenever I would try to speak Arabic more so than they usually were because my Arabic isn't great so it's not like I'm fluent so that was one of the reasons but the second reason was they were kind of just confused as to what exactly I was I've gotten Palestinian Yemeni so many different just types of Arab that weren't mine (laughs) and it was kind of embarrassing because I didn't even have my own dialects. I would have the standard Arabic, I would have some Egyptian, some Syrian, some a lot of Palestinian apparently which I didn't even know until people would tell me and I guess that's because I've hung around Palestinian people. Although I don't have many Palestinian friends, I have like two or three so I don't know why that came out so much but I guess it's just what I kind of took in as I grew up learning Arabic from different places 
maybe it wasn't necessarily all for my parents. We kind of watched a lot of like shows as kids and going to an Arabic school probably affected that too, even if I wasn't aware of it. So anyways, that is kind of the background, just so you can kind of understand where I come from or why my experiences might be different from yours. But yeah, the first experience that kind of triggered my insecurity about my identity and my culture came from school because like I said, I went to an Arabic school. I've gone to like multitudes of different Arabic schools. I think I've gone to at least like four or five at this point and I don't remember a lot of them like I remember going to classes and hating it with a burning passion I remember the last one that I went to um but honestly I never remember having a good time all I remember is people laughing at me every time I tried speaking Arabic and I was always the oldest person in my class every time and when I tell you I was so embarrassed because I would walk into the class and the teacher would literally ask me like are you sure you're supposed to be here and I'd be like I'm pretty sure and I would be there because I would take like, the standard test that you take to see which class you fit into and that was the one I fit into with people like three or four years younger than me I felt so embarrassed but you know we move on <laughs> and I never wanted to even try because like I said whenever I did it was kind of just thrown back in my face like I would speak Arabic and the first reaction that I would get was a weird look and I it just made me want to shut down and never speak Arabic again obviously I know better now but as a kid it feels really bad especially because you're surrounded in Arabic school you're surrounded by people who are speaking this language and you're expected to know it and be good at it and yes you're also more expected to learn but in my instance I was kind of expected to be good at it already because I was around so many kids younger than me so when they were so, like they'd be talking fluently with the teacher and yes they were still at a lower level but I was still somehow worse than they were so they'd be talking to the teacher they'd be answering the questions raising their hands doing all their things and I would just be there in the corner trying to draw as little as attention to myself as possible and literally wanting to shrivel up into a little tiny ball whenever the teacher would look my way because I did not want to have to speak Arabic and it was it was never like teachers making fun of me but it was also just like I said feeling very inadequate whenever I would try to speak Arabic and it kind of just felt like what is the point if I'm just gonna look like an idiot you know <laughs> so yeah that was kind of how I grew up with it I never really had Arabic friends well I did have Arab friends when I was in like elementary school but they were also like me they didn't speak the language so it didn't feel as weird I didn't feel as much as an outsider you know it's kind of just a little community everyone just being distanced from their culture but as I kind of got older these experiences kind of got worse as it became more personal for example I decided to start volunteering at an Arabic school. <laughs> I don't know why, because I knew it would hurt. I knew that volunteering with little kids, when I tell you little kids, these kids are like six, seven years old and they're fluently speaking Arabic. And it was one dialect too. Like it was obvious both their parents came from one place and they knew the dialect perfectly. And that made me feel so insecure because not only could I speak, not only could I not speak Arabic in a good way, but I also couldn't even speak a single Arabic like I couldn't speak one consistent standard type of Arabic no I had a million and one different types different dialects different slangs different everything so like some people could understand me and some people couldn't understand me and even the people who could understand me were confused at some of the things I was saying because their dialect wouldn't match up with the dialects that I was speaking so it was so confusing constantly anyways so I volunteered with this Arabic school this was last year mind you and 
a lot of the time it was me kind of realizing that I would have to get over myself and just accept the fact that these kids are a lot better at speaking Arabic than I am and that is completely fine like their parents probably didn't speak any English growing up and that is great for them like at the end of the day they're gonna be fine speaking their Arabic and that just makes me happy knowing that they don't really have to struggle with their identity as much because they're just gonna know how to speak Arabic and that's something that they're not gonna have to deal with but yeah it was definitely a harrowing experience just sitting there being expected to teach them Arabic not even knowing it myself and then I would literally tell them like hey guys I'm not I'm probably worse at Arabic than you are and they'd be asking me questions about grammar and yes I know things I've gone to Arabic school myself and the thing is this school wasn't necessarily like a Arabic school Arabic school it was with my actual school okay how do I explain this so let's say my high school it was based in the high school so it would be on a Saturday morning and it wasn't an Arabic school established it was the actual district like school board that I came from and it was an international languages program so it was Arabic people teaching the classes like it was Arab teachers but it wasn't as a high level as it would have been in a normal Arabic school necessarily. So I was still kind of like at a level where I could still help. Like my job wasn't necessarily to teach lessons or be able to help them perfectly. It was just to make sure that they could get the help they needed, even if that meant just asking the teacher myself what it meant. Because thankfully I had a really nice teacher who I was working with and she would never make fun of me. She would always just be so inviting and encouraging whenever she could tell that I was confused during the lesson. And yeah, I'm admitting that I was just as confused as these little seven-year-olds <laughs> learning a lesson. But I'm not really afraid to admit that anymore because like that's how it is. I struggle with Arabic. I always have. But it's fine. Like I got to bond with these kids and we are we're all confused at the same things. But I still got to do my job at the same time and do what I wanted to do. So it wasn't as big as a problem as I thought it would be. But yeah, it was, uh, like I said, an interesting experience. You'll never really be humbled until you reach that point. <laughs> But yeah, for the longest time, I felt like I didn't have the right to call myself Arab, which is so stupid now, but also warranted because I've had people kind of tell me that I shouldn't be able to call myself Arab, one of those people being my mom. <laughs> yeah, I remember this very distinctly. It was like a couple of weeks ago um, because I was talking about this podcast and I was kind of explaining what it is to my parents who don't really understand what mental health is. So it was a very interesting conversation. I'm sure you've had similar ones, but I was kind of explaining how as Arab I wanted to try to make other like youth and teenagers or literally anyone just feel a little less alone in the fact that it's really hard to feel close to your culture especially when you don't speak the language well enough and my mom was literally like what do you mean you're not Arab you didn't live there you didn't you weren't born there you were born here and I just kind of stood there in shock because for a second I believed her and then my dad came into the room and completely disagreed with her because my dad is very much like, be proud of your heritage and like, yes, you are Arab, like no doubt about it, which I appreciated because it kind of just like <laughs> reminded me that she was wrong. And like, I don't know how everyone else feels about this, but I do know, like, I know that I'm Arab. I believe that I'm Arab. There is Arab DNA in my blood. Like there is no changing your DNA. Your genes will always be the same. And it's not even just that. It's like, your culture stays with you no matter what, as long as you want it to. Like, I have a lot of values of my culture. I still do speak the language, maybe not perfectly, but it is my culture at the end of the day, and no one can take that away from me, not even my mom or anyone else. And I kind of did let people affect my own perception of it because 
for a long time. Again, recently, I've had people call me whitewashed by people that I considered friends until that point. <laughs> like, they would laugh at me because I thought, hey, for the first time, like, I'm friends with a lot of auto people. Not a lot. I'm talking, like, two people here, maybe even one. And I would, like, be chill with them. And these were people that I just met. And I decided to, like, you know, open myself up to the possibility that we could talk in Arabic because I do love, I do like languages and I wanted to speak with them in Arabic. And they would immediately just laugh at me. Like, they would make fun of how I said words. They would be confused and just make me feel a like crap about the fact that I couldn't speak a specific dialect, especially because, for example, they were Egyptian, and I did say that I was Egyptian and Syrian, and then I would speak Arabic, and I'd be like, that's not even Egyptian. That's not even, like, anything, really. And I would just be like, okay, I guess I'll just go home and cry. <laughs> like, why even try? Like, a lot of those experiences just make it really hard to want to try to talk to anyone in Arabic or just kind of throw it out there that, hey, I am Arab, because people just have really bad reactions to it sometimes. And I've kind of realized that it's just a it's a reflection on them, not me. Like they probably also feel insecure about it and they're just kind of taking it out on me. And at the end of the day, like I really don't care about what they think. Like I am out of that's it. That's the end of the discussion. I'm not going to belittle myself anymore. I've done that for most of my life and I'm sick of it. Like I just want to enjoy the fact that I have culture. I love my culture. Yeah, there are things that I don't agree with it, but again, next episode on this topic so there's just a whole lot of things that I had to kind of figure out for myself in terms of how I actually thought about my culture and why I was so insecure about it and I think it all just narrowed back down to how other people reacted to it instead of you know my actual ability to speak Arabic and have culture in general but anyways that pretty much sums up my experience obviously there is more but we could go on for hours and hours about all the trauma <laughs> so we're not gonna do that now that I've explained the situations that kind of led to this point I'm going to explain how I dealt with it like how I coped with all these things so for starters because I hated speaking Arabic so much, well, again, I don't hate speaking Arabic, damn. <laughs> I don't hate speaking Arabic, I just felt embarrassed to speak it. Um, I would avoid any and all settings where I might have to speak it. That could mean going to masjids or going to Arabic school or going to people who I knew would speak Arabic to me, like random <laughs> family friends that I had. I was just so terrified of the opportunity people might take to make fun of me or just acknowledge the fact that my Arabic wasn't great, which again, no reason to feel ashamed of that, but whatever. I hated Arabic school with a burning passion. I would literally want to throw up every single Saturday or Sunday or whenever the hell it was because I would just get so much anxiety because I, for one, never did the homework because I didn't understand it and I felt too embarrassed to ask my parents for help and I also, well didn't want to but you know what sometimes I did and I didn't know how to and it would just make me feel so bad and I just wouldn't even want to try I hated family gatherings even though like I live very far from the family like the closest family I have is five hours away by car but even then I would hate it because people would speak to me in Arabic and expect me to answer and not to mention my cousins are Iraqi Arabic like they have that dialect which is one of the actually not one of the most difficult dialects it is worldly known that the Iraqi dialect is the hardest dialect to understand among others because of how heavily they pronounce things and also just the words that they use like they also their letters I don't know how to explain this in English but I'm going to try their letters depending on how heavily you pronounce them can be different letters in Arabic. 
So as a person who already struggled with the language, that did not help matters. I would literally be sitting around as everyone was laughing and having conversations and I would just stare blankly at the wall because I had no idea what they were talking about and no one would fill me in. Not that I asked, I could have, but again, didn't want to. And I felt like such an outsider, even though that was Araki Arabic, I shouldn't have had to feel bad, but I would rather just leave that situation than feel like I had no idea what everyone else was talking about. Like, I felt like there was a joke that I could not get it on no matter how hard I tried and I really wanted to, but it just wouldn't happen. And even then when I would tell them like, hey, I don't really understand because they would ask me something and then they'd kind of just be like, what you don't understand is just Araki Arabic. It's not that hard to understand. It is, but they kind of would not belittle me necessarily, but just kind of make it feel like I shouldn't have had a reason to not understand. Yeah, just not the most encouraging of environments. <laughs> I also hated, not hated, but I was incredibly jealous of people my age who could speak fluently in Arabic. Like I'd be, let's say in a Tim Hortons and there's a people in the line behind me and like I knew they're my age or around my age and they were just casually having conversations in Arabic and I could understand them but I definitely wouldn't have been able to speak it like they did. And I kind of just had a lot of fear surrounding it and also my culture in general, because again, I just feel like, I felt like I wasn't worthy of it. And I would try so hard to find ways of feeling like I was worthy of it. Like, like I craved having cultural clothing so much because, you know, I guess if I couldn't speak the language, at least I could look the part. But unfortunately, Syrians and Egyptians don't really have any cultural clothes. It was just, it made me kind of sad because I felt like there was no way that I could show the world that I was Arab and yeah it was definitely me trying to validate the fact that I was Arab to everyone and anyone who would listen especially when people would try to call me white like that happened multiple times and I would get so defensive I had no reason to be that defensive but I would get so defensive and yeah I understand why there are Arabs that can pass as white but I'm not one of them I don't even pass as Arab. I pass as brown. The amount of people that have come up to me and just talked to me in Urdu, like, it's actually hilarious. I worked at Winners, and at least four people have just come up to me, straight talked to me, and just started talking in Urdu, not even asking if I understood or, <laughs> like, you know, get, like saying, hi, how are you? Or maybe they did. I just didn't understand. It was just so funny because I'd be, like, in the fitting room, and they'd walk up to me and ask me a question. Maybe. I don't even know. And I would just stare blankly at them and be like, I don't know what you're saying and it was so funny because there was like I would have friends behind me who understood and they'd just be like she has no idea what you're saying <laughs> and for like for one like you shouldn't necessarily you shouldn't be assuming that someone understands you because yeah even if I was brown like why would you assume that I understood Urdu like uh it's just it yeah that was not right in general but it was just so funny to me so yeah I was never really a person who could pass as simply Arab, white, brown, or anything. That made me feel even more weird about my identity because it was kind of just like, what am I at this point? I don't even know. But yeah, so people would call me white sometimes. I don't know if it was necessarily because I couldn't speak the language or it was because they just thought Arabs were white. It aggravated me to a, a deep extent. Like, it would make me so mad. I would get all riled up and, like, kind of embarrasses me to think about right now. Like, I'm cringing at the thought. But... That just shows how insecure I was about it, and I'm not gonna blame myself. Like, that's how I felt at the time, but it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely tried to be as cultured as possible, even though I shouldn't have had to validate that to anyone, but whatever, <laughs> ignoring that now. Hmm, what else? Oh, yes, I 
felt like I would never find my community because, you know, if I wasn't auto and I wasn't white, then what the hell was I? I still feel like that sometimes. I know a lot of people feel like that. I'm not sure if that's a feeling that ever really goes away, but my closest friends aren't even auto and I'm fine with that. Like Canada is an incredibly diverse place and I love that so much about it. So I wouldn't wish it any different. But sometimes it does feel like I'm never going to have an Arab community. And going to Egypt, this is like one of the little times I'm going to speak about it in this episode, going to Egypt kind of made me want that because there is a certain understanding that comes when you are around your people. And if anything, that just explains how much so that no matter how distance you feel from your culture, you will always have your people to go back to. So if you do feel insecure about your identity and your culture and you feel like people back home won't accept you, they will do not worry. Some people are going to be rude. That's the case with everything. Um, But at the end of the day, it is really not all that. And all that matters is how you feel about it. So yeah, that was definitely a struggle I had, still do kind of have in a sense. And this is probably the weirdest thing that I'm going to mention about how I dealt with this. And that is that I thought that I was letting down the kids I haven't even had (laughs) because they probably would feel the exact same way as I did, if not worse, because of my inability to speak a specific dialect and be enough of one thing. And that is wrong on a multitude of levels, for one, because I'm 18 years old and I'm not interested in having kids anytime soon. But it is something that I stressed about. And I know other people have also felt that too, because if we can barely speak the language, how are our kids going to be? And yeah, you can put your kids in classes. But again, there's so many different dialects within our families now. And like, let's say I marry a different kind of auto person. It's going to be like three different dialects. Maybe they have even more dialects. So it's kind of just like this whole like intersectionness of like Arabness. And it was just so... I don't know like now I don't stress about that as much but I do still kind of feel like I'm never gonna be good enough but that's actually such a stupid thought like why do I have to be one thing I really don't I think the only reason I've ever felt like that is because of the reactions and responses that I've got from other people when I've told them that I'm Egyptian and Syrian and have two different dialects and it wasn't actually my thoughts like if I'm thinking about like how diverse like my background is I love it I love that I have both Egyptian and Syrian cultures like there are two different worlds that come with that along with being Canadian like I have so many insights into different worlds and I really appreciate that now but before it kind of felt like I was just teetering between two different worlds and I wasn't good enough to be on either so it's just you know living a life full of uncertainty but we're growing it's okay (laughs) so yeah that was a struggle that I had now not so much but still a little bit and I'm not gonna lie to you a lot of the things that I just said like are still things that I do struggle with I'm not gonna act like it's not but I have gotten a lot more comfortable with all these things and a lot more accepting of the fact that those things are never gonna change and that is perfectly fine because my culture isn't gonna change my background isn't gonna change my genes are never gonna change my DNA will always be the same and that's a pretty sick concept. Like you can't change that no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you feel like you're not enough of something, there is literally scientific data backing it up. So if you ever feel like you're not good enough or you're not Arab or ethnic enough, like ask yourself who is in your thoughts when you're speaking that to existence, who is telling you that you're not good enough? Is it you or is it that random Arabic teacher that told you that you'd never be good at Arabic or that random friend that made fun of you that one time? Like it's really funny how when you look deeply into all these experiences and the root of all these thoughts like it really just always goes back to the way that we've been treated by other people and 
how we've kind of shown up in the world as a result. But at the end of the day, like, there's no point living your life wishing you were someone else or wishing you were enough of this thing or not enough of this thing to fit into someone's box. It really doesn't matter, especially if you live in Canada or the US or literally anywhere else and you aren't surrounded with people of your culture. Like, that is how the world works. It shouldn't be any different for us. But yeah, that's kind of how I dealt and coped. Not necessarily the healthiest of ways, but you know, they just saved me from some hurt <laughs> at one point or another. And yeah, that wasn't necessarily the best thing to do when I could have went out and learned Arabic or actually interacted with people who would have made me feel good about myself and actually validated my experiences and the fact that I was indeed a cultured person. But yeah, so now I want to kind of go into how you can deal with this because it's one thing for me to go on about all the bad experiences that I've had and that one good experience, but I think it is very important to kind of give you some insight into how I have coped with it, not necessarily tell you to cope with it in the same way because it's something that everyone is going to feel a very different way and, and everyone is going to be dealing with in a different way. But there's just some ideas that I've kind of learned over the past couple years that have helped me feel a little more accepting of my experience and just my whole circumstance and one of the most important things again <laughs> I know I'm not gonna talk too much about my Egypt experience but everything that I've learned from being in Egypt and I was there for a month so that was a pretty long time it's that people there are a lot more accepting of the fact that my Arabic wasn't amazing for some reason I expected to go there and immediately just be made fun of and ridiculed because of the fact that my Egyptian wasn't as Egyptian as theirs and that was not at all the case. People there were incredibly inviting. And I can't speak to all, like, wherever you were from, you, pro you might not be out of, like, wherever you're from might be different. But I think we make it out to be a lot more complicated in our heads than it is. I literally had ideas of people, like, just not talking to me the second they would hear my Arabic because they would just not want to have to deal with it. And that was not the case at all. Like, I would go out by myself and I would go to like cafes and go to stores and like interact with people and once they heard my Arabic like they would kind of know that something was off or not necessarily off but they would just know that there was something different because I would try to act Egyptian like I would try to use specific words that were Egyptian like I would ask how much is this in Egyptian instead of how I would usually say it in Syrian or something and after we'd kind of have more conversation, they would kind of know that like, yeah, I wasn't from here. I was from somewhere else, but I was Egyptian originally. And it was so enlightening because it made me feel so like warm and just invited and welcome. And I think that's something that I love about Egyptian culture or just Arab culture in general is that the hospitality that you get there is by far nothing like anything else like I've never experienced anything like it because everyone is just so welcoming and everyone kind of just let not likes but everyone is kind of just familiar with everyone that doesn't mean like everyone knows everyone like you're on the street and people are just kind and they will do whatever they possibly can to help you with whatever circumstance you might be in there are just there's something about it and I don't know if that's what happens when you're in a country that is run by a corrupt government or all the things that they go through as a country that is not as rich or privileged as Canada or other countries are but there is just something about it that I can't like I can't name but I absolutely loved it and it just it really just shows you how much of it is in your head like I'm not I'm not telling you that you don't you shouldn't be feeling any of the things that you're feeling but I am going to tell you that 
if one of the reasons you're insecure is because of other people, just know that all those people don't reflect how other people are going to react and you shouldn't be afraid to interact with other people or try your best to communicate because you're going to miss out on a lot of things. Like if I was too afraid to communicate with people, I could have just stayed in my apartment in Egypt and not gone out and talked to anyone and just been comfortable but if that happened I never would have met all the people I did and actually realized just how much of it was my insecurity as a result of other people instead of feeling like the world was against me and that the world decided that I wasn't odd up enough (laughs) anyway moving this along there are two things that you can do to deal with it and the first step and the most important step I think is to change your perspective which I guess you can kind of see is what I've been trying to get you to do since the beginning of this episode because yes you can just learn Arabic or whatever it is that your language is but that is not going to make you feel any more confident in your identity like if I'm going to be honest a lot of the experiences that I've had sucked but there are a lot of positives as well and most of it came from not trying to be something I wasn't like having insights into different worlds that not everyone can is kind of a superpower being half Egyptian half Syrian or maybe if you're just Syrian and Canadian those are still two different cultures that you're aware of and that you've been immersed in and because of that you're gonna have an awareness that only certain people in the country are gonna have so like if you do speak some of the language and you do speak English or if you speak French and some of your language you're probably still likely to know something more than the person beside you. Like, think about it. If you're just in class, you're probably one of the only people in the class that has that capacity. And yeah, you might not be able to speak it perfectly, but you do have insight to it. You do have specific things that no one else is going to be able to compare to. So that is pretty sick. (laughs) Secondly, think about your own identity. And, And an example of this can be like your name. Your name probably has a really cool meaning to it. Granted, mine means like nothing in Spanish. And that is kind of something that made me even more insecure about it when I was younger. Because every time I would tell someone my name was Neda, they'd be like, oh, nothing? And I'd just be like, really? This is the seventh time I've gotten that today. (laughs) Like, calm down. But I actually really like what it means in Arabic. And I never actually took the time to actually see what it meant. And if you haven't had this chance to think about what your name means that's the first thing I would suggest you do like go go research it go ask your parents what the story behind your name is maybe there's history behind it because once you create a connection between your name and you like for example I had never really considered my name like I didn't even really know how to properly pronounce it until like I was 12 dead ass not kidding I was talking to my mom and I was like yeah like this auto person said it was Neda and I, she was like yeah it is Neda and I was like what this whole time I thought my name was Nada or like Netta. It's not. But because I've just lived in Canada the entire time, everyone pronounced it that way and I went along with it because I literally did not know any better, which is so funny. But now I do. And after realizing that, I kind of like went into some research and actually researched what my name means. And it actually means do, which if you don't really know, it's kind of, the, you know, the, like after it rains and there's little droplets of water that stays on the leaves and it kind of like emanates that, that kind of smell that you like get after it rains anyways I don't really know if I'm explaining this correctly but if not just search it up you'll find plenty of pictures that show it and now every time that I think of my name it kind of reminds me of nature and being grounded and mental stillness and these are all things that I really appreciate and value as a person and like now that I have a connection to it it feels very much me because for the longest time it was just my name it was something my parents gave me and something I never really you know chose for myself but now it kind of feels like I did and I feel like kind of connected to my roots on my own terms because I've spent (laughs) far too long trying to do it on other people's so if you haven't searched up what your name is or if you have no idea 
why on earth your parents decided to name you that thing, maybe ask them. You might be surprised by what you find. The next thing I'm going to suggest is something that might get a little (laughs) deep in terms of how deep you're going to have to get within yourself to get the answer. And that question is, why does it make you feel so bad? Why does the idea of your identity or your culture, ethnicity, whatever it is, why does it make you feel so bad? Why are you so insecure about it? Maybe it's because you feel like you're on the edge of two different worlds and you don't feel enough for either of them like I do. Or maybe your community makes you feel bad about it and you feel like a fraud. Maybe you feel like you're grasping at straws because not only can you not communicate with your own community, but you feel like you can't even call them your community. No matter what it is, it is incredibly important to know that your ability to speak a language does not define you. And the only reason you think so is because other people have made you feel like that. And if you're still doubtful, I have a journaling prompt for you that might actually help you decipher what exactly is making you feel so bad about it and is really helpful for discovering what uncovered feelings you might have on something. So the journaling prompt itself is, why do I feel insecure in my identity? And think of the first thing that comes to your mind. And then once you have that down, ask yourself why. For example, if I'm asking myself why I feel insecure in my identity, it's because I feel like I'm not worthy of it. Then I'd ask myself, why do I feel like I'm not worthy of it? The reason is because I can't speak Arabic in a strictly Egyptian or Syrian way and I don't know a lot of the traditions and my kids might not be fluent in Arabic. Why again? Why do I not know the dialects and a lot of the traditions? And then I would say, because I wasn't raised in a society that encompassed all of those things. At this point, you can kind of see that the things I'm insecure about or were insecure about aren't even in my control and things that you could never be able to change. Like It would be irrational to place blame on yourself because there was literally nothing you could do to change those circumstances. So keep going with this prompt until you reach a point where the blame is placed back on your circumstances and not on you alone. Because nothing you did or didn't do is going to make you any less or any more of whatever culture you are. (laughs) Now that you've established why you're insecure about it, or at least to a certain degree, and how you can change your mindset so that it's not an all or nothing mentality, you can kind of start doing things that are a little more materialistic aspects of identity, but are also still key to our ethnicities. Like for example, I am more focused on language because that is something that is very valued in our culture. So for instance, if that is the case for you, you can learn it. If it's cultural foods, you can cook it. There are so many different things. Like if it's a tradition, you can ask your parents about them or do some research. These are all things that are very accessible to you, but unfortunately we kind of have to go out of our ways to get to know about them or learn them because we aren't constantly surrounded with it. Even if our parents are from these places, they've also been accustomed to life in Canada. Not to the point where they've completely erased that part of themselves, but to the point where their lives have changed as a result of living in Canada and the same thing happened to us. So yeah, those are all kind of things that anyone can learn and Since language has been one of the ones I've had a lot of experience with, I'm going to kind of give you some ideas on how you can learn it. One of (laughs) the most terrifying things about speaking your native language when you're not comfortable with it is the backlash you have the potential to face. So I think one of the best and healthiest ways to kind of counter that is to create an environment where that's not as much of a fear. So for instance, for you, that could be trying to find a safe person you can speak it with and Even though it might be difficult to let yourself be vulnerable and it's completely valid for you to feel vulnerable in these instances because you've probably been subjected to a lot of (laughs) not good experiences as a result of it. But at the end of the day, if you don't try, nothing good is going to come of it. 
so yeah, if you can find someone who is kind and who won't laugh at you and who will actually try to help you understand and you can actually enjoy speaking to in your language, then give it a shot. Although if you're like me and it's <laughs> kind of impossible to find someone like that or at least around you, watch some content in your native language or if you're not that advanced, which is totally valid, watch a show you're incredibly familiar with. Like for example, I have watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine a million times, so much so that I know most of the episodes by heart. So if that's the case for you and you have that specific show, maybe it's a movie, see if the language, one of the languages you can choose for the movie is Arabic. And if so, you can put on English subtitles if you're still struggling and try to just keep up because so long as you know the context of whatever it is that you're watching, you're going to be able to watch it and still understand what's happening. Like you're going to pick up words along the way, even though you might get confused every now and then, you're still going to know the generalness, <laughs> I guess, of what is happening and you're not going to feel as confused as you would otherwise. If you're feeling a little more confident, you could also watch shows that originally in your language or songs or podcasts or literally anything or be YouTube videos. For example, I would find random booktubers on YouTube because I love books and they would just be auto booktubers. I even found one that was named Nether and that made me feel <laughs> so great. And it was so fun because yeah, I didn't understand half the words they were speaking, but I understood generally what they were getting at. And I even got to learn about some Arab books too, which was pretty sick. <laughs> so if you do decide to do this, write out some of the words you don't understand and like search them up after. And you could have this whole list of different words that you have and you could go back to them or try to incorporate them in different conversations you have with your parents if that is something you want to do. My favorite way of learning Arabic though, and this is very specific to me, was through writing a book because I was fed up with never seeing auto representation. <laughs> and this is something that is makes me so incredibly furious because every time I've ever been exposed to auto representation in movies or books, it's been as a terrorist. But yeah, so I wanted to write a book and this isn't to say that it was good. It definitely wasn't. It was riddled with spelling errors and plot holes, but I wanted to incorporate my culture into it because I had never seen a fantasy book that had auto representation. So I would kind of just go about writing it how I was going to in general and then I would kind of try to add just different aspects of my culture into it and it was just really fun because I got to discover a lot of things that I had never really known and also because I would get to confuse my parents because I would go ask them questions like <laughs> I would go randomly I'd go downstairs and ask my mom what sword meant in Arabic and she would kind of just look at me confused especially considering I don't even speak Arabic generally like I don't even speak to my parents in Arabic because they even speak English to me. So <laughs> it was really fun getting them confused. But the way I did it was just trying to find correct definitions for words I wanted to use and then going for specific dialects, but simultaneously being open to having both Egyptian, Syrian, and even other dialects because I wanted to kind of reflect who I was as a person. And it made it so fun that now, even like though I haven't written in a very long time, I still go back and read the book and just relearn some of the words that I used. And now I know some of these words to the point where I can use them actively in conversations and not think twice about it. So if that's something that kind of interests you, I say go for it. And maybe you hate writing. Maybe you like art. Maybe you could do like some calligraphy with your language. There are so many different ways you can kind of 
cater it to your own personality no matter what it's always going to be a struggle like even writing this book it felt like a struggle because I kind of felt like I was an imposter and I had had no right writing story about Arab culture when I could barely hold a conversation in Arabic but I did it anyways because who cares nobody I was doing it for myself like and that made me so happy because that's how you should discover and explore your culture for yourself, not for anyone else, not even for your parents. That insecurity that you had is just going to control your life. You're just going to hold on to it because of other people and it's never going to really matter how much you do because you're always going to feel inadequate and like you're not worthy enough for it. Because again, yeah, you can learn your language, you can do all these things, but at the end of the day, it's really not going to matter if you haven't actually asked yourself why you feel so insecure about it and how you can stop. So... I'm not saying you should write a book by any means, but just because it doesn't feel like your language right now doesn't mean you can't make it yours and actually establish it on your own terms. Uh, I've been talking for an hour. You know what? Time flies when you're having fun. Anyways, <laughs> thank you so much for hearing me out and I hope you do realize just how important it is to accept whatever situation you're in as it is if you know your language, if you don't know your language, if you feel inadequate or not, just hopefully this episode made you understand that it really does not matter what other people think. All that matters is that you are worthy of whatever culture you have. So embrace it. And that's all I really have to say in terms of that. I have so much more to talk about in terms of Egypt and my experiences there as well as what I've learned. So I hope something I said resonated with you a little. If something I said managed to help you a little bit, please consider leaving a review. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have an amazing ass day.